They were hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you're gonna catch a bullet. Greetings and salutations, everyone, and thanks for listening to The Unfranchised. My name is Robert Taylor, and this is a podcast where we discuss films that are not sequels, reboots, remakes, based on a toy line. All of that stuff is a no-go on this pod, where each episode we look at an original non-franchise film. Stuart Smith is here joining me as always, and this week we will be talking about Extraction, the Netflix original action film starring Chris Hemsworth. But before we get into that, Stu, it's it's been a little while for us. It has. Would you like to explain to all of our dear, dear listeners why it has been so long? I mean, I can explain what I think my answer is, which is <laughs> we had a pandemic. My wife took over my had. office. Well, okay, we're... Mean? <laughs> we're in the middle of a pandemic my wife took over my office i had emergency gallbladder surgery and i think you and i just get too discouraged about the state of the country sometime to yap about movies for an hour is that well, fair it's i mean a lot of it i would love to yap about movies to take my mind off the that's true state of the you know scourge of the country um but it it's just like since everybody is here all the time yep you know it just makes it way more difficult to you right? know, to, like, car- to carve out to carve out time to to like really focus on a movie to be able to you know to watch it in the frame of mind that I would like to be in I mean uh, if you, if you, you know, look at a my show like this. if you look at my movie journal for the last like 5 6 weeks it's all Disney plus stuff because my kids are here all the time so unless I specifically stay up late to watch something which does happen from time to time but it, yeah, finding time to watch a grown-up film, finding time to record this podcast. I'm going to have to edit it, you know, peeking behind the curtain a little bit. It usually takes me two days to edit one of these. But again, my wife has taken over my office because she's working from home. So I'm going to guess it's going to be more than two days to edit, but hopefully not too long. But just battling all this stuff definitely made it so we didn't get a new episode out as quick as I would have liked. But hey, we're here now. You holding up okay, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I mean, you know, all things considered, I'm I'm kind of in the fortunate position of, you know, I've been working from home for the last four years. And so doing that has really prepared me for the last couple <laughs> the last couple months. So, you know, my my life has changed very little other than the fact that, you know, I never stop seeing my wife and kid. Right. So the last one of these we put out was at the end of January. Uh, the next episode we were planning on doing was um, the Chinese film Shadow, which I still want to do. I don't like making promises that I that don't keep. So I'm hoping, Stu, we'll still take a look at that film in an upcoming episode. Oh, I absolutely. I, no, I plan on it because I I, I enjoyed the film. I, you know, just it, it's 
It's not the director's best work, but it's an interesting what, work. What, and so it's save it's it for one... that, save it for that episode, Stu. We're going to do no, it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're committed to doing Shadow for the, anyone who might be interested. But since it's been a few months since we recorded an episode, I figured it might be best to come back to talk about something brand new that you know a lot of people have been watching and a lot of people have been talking about. I sounded like Trump right there. Like a, a lot of people, a lot of people have been saying that. Extraction... You know it's what they say. <laughs> but um, but a lot of people. It's all spectacular. Extraction is like the big. We're you know we're all, all we're all home watching movies on streaming. That's what everybody's doing. And Extraction is now apparently Netflix's biggest hit, quote unquote hit, or most watched original film of all time. Correct? Isn't that what we read? Is it? I believe so, or at least in its first like two I mean, it's, weeks, and it's like opening window. It's like it's most Netflix's most watched original film the first fourteen days it was released. I mean, so much so that they've already greenlit a sequel, which we'll get into later. Which I, I'm glad that we're recording this now before they have actually made yeah. a sequel, because then it wouldn't really, you know, then it's a franchise. We could we couldn't really we couldn't do an episode on it. And we should say so. It's based on. It's so based this, on a, on a yeah, graphic novel. So, so this is interesting. This movie is from the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo, who wrote and directed these tiny little movies you may have heard of called Captain America Civil War, The Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. They... What? <laughs> what are those? They... they Come put, on. No, no, no. All right. Look, let, 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 I would actually like to take just a, a brief it. minute to... Uh, highlight their non uh, mega blockbuster work, which is like what Community. Uh, well, their work on Community. I mean, they they directed a bunch of episodes of Community. Uh, they direct uh, they directed a lot of uh, of Arrested Development, did they? I'm not sure. I just know. I'm not sure they did. When, which is why when they those guys the... got the Captain America job, I just knew them as the guys from Community that somehow ended well, up. With they a did Marvel Community, job. but then they also did a movie called okay. Welcome to Colin uh, Collinwood. Okay. With uh, George Clooney, it's about a you know, but it, it's kind of like a like Coen Brothers light type situation, but it, it's it's about you know, but bunch of you know, it's a mishap heist film. Uh, I actually highly recommend it. It's it's really funny. I've never seen it, but yeah, it sounds interesting. Um, so so Extraction, Joe Russo put together a com a graphic novel called See You Dad. No, no, he. No, he he wrote. Right. He adapted it's, the screenplay. He also worked on the comic as well. Did he? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I thought that he just did no, no, no. He he's. I, I can tell you, Wikipedia says. First of all, I have no idea. <laughs> how do I pronounce this, Stu? C i u d a d. Ciudad. 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 Uh, it's the Spanish word for city. By Andy Parks, Joe Russo, and Fernando Leon Leon Gonzalez. I'm gonna guess one of them was the artist. But Joe Russo was involved in creating this graphic novel. Again, this doesn't break the rules of the show. We've already agreed that we will do adaptations so long that it's not like a remake of a previous adaptation and so long as it's not based on like some giant best-selling novel. So still totally counts as an original non-franchise film. Based on that graphic novel, the Russo brothers wrote the story for this film along with Ande Park. Ande, A-N-D-E. I'm going to struggle with names during this whole thing. It's probably it's, it's probably Andy. Andy Parks. Andy. Joe Russo wrote the screenplay, and then it was directed by Sam Hargrave, who is a stuntman and stunt coordinator who has worked with the Russo brothers on all of their Marvel films. 
So all those big action scenes in Infinity War and Endgame, he had a hand in designing those. And I believe this is his first film as a director. Yes, Wikipedia tells me Extraction is his directorial debut. So there were a couple reasons why I was interested in watching this stew. Uh, you know, it hit Netflix a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, eh, yeah, Chris Hemsworth action, or maybe I'll get to that. We'll see. But then I found out about the Marvel connection, which was intriguing, because even though we do a show called The Unfranchised, we love us some Marvel movies. Then you had seen it, and our friend Tim Kelly, who used to be on our old podcast, had seen it. And another friend of mine, whose opinion I trust, Chad in Houston. Hi, Chad. He had seen it, and all three of you had told me, this is really good and worth your time. Well, and see, I had only seen it because, like, when I watched the, the trailer for it, you know, I, I, let's be honest here, a lot of Netflix's original films aren't that great. No. Um, you know, and so Very I Very disposable. I, so many of right, them are just disposable. I, I figured that this would kind of be like another case like Triple Frontier, which, you know, had some good stuff in it, but just was really underwhelming. Yeah, Triple Frontier is not good. Plus, I just, you know, was really hesitant because of the whole, oh, look, it's a, you know, it's a white guy just gunning down a bunch of, you know, brown people. How, eh, that's not really, yeah. Um, but I kept hearing uh, just consistently great word of mouth. And so, and then, and then someone like just was describing some of the action scenes like, okay, yeah, all right, fine, sure. I'll, I'll put it on. I've got like three tubs of laundry to fold. I'll like half watch, you know, I'll pay attention when the action's happening. Right. Uh, you know, as I'm folding these clothes and it's, it, it, it just like, it just kept my attention the whole time. And it's actually really pretty good. I don't think I like it quite as much as you do, but I mean, it's, I would say that anyone who is is you know very much jonesing for you know a, a, an action injection, um, and, you know, and something that they haven't seen yet, it's absolutely worth your time. I, I agree. Um, I was very happy I watched it. I do think it's a very good borderline great. I mean, it's no masterpiece. It's not rewriting the rules of action cinema, but for like a meat and potatoes B action film, which is really what it is, it's a very well done one. So yeah, when, so when you and some of my other friends were recommending me to watch it, I thought, sure, I'll give this a try. I trust all you guys. I queued it up one night there. I'm I'm kind of an easy mark for this movie. And there are two reasons. The first one is, again, the genre. I I mean, I grew up in the 80s. I mean, I love sort of simplistic B action films that aren't I mean, that aren't overly no. complicated that or that you know they're they, they don't skip on the violence they're very to the point like this is something like chuck norris or someone would have starred in you know well, 30 uh, years ago okay i mean come on look who you're talking to <laughs> who who have i spent years of my life writing about mr van damme you know so i mean yeah this, yeah. this was you know even even with that i mean i you know i'm, I'm like you i enjoy it right like the solid... bad the bad version of this movie would have starred seagal in like 93 and i still would have watched it <laughs> <laughs> but um i so i i just i i mean i again i'm a sucker for them especially if the action is well done and then the other thing that i'm just an easy easy mark for and I feel like I'm I, I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this. I'm trying to be delicate about it, but I'm a sucker for movies that take place, especially action movies. I'm a sucker for action movies that take place 
in third world countries and dangerously overpopulated countries or anywhere that's like Why third sick. world countries. I don't know. It's just something about the location, just anywhere that's culturally very different from where we live in the United States. I mean, I think part of the reason fast five is my favorite one is because there's a, there's a, those amazing action scenes shot around the favelas in Rio de Janeiro. And it's just, for some reason, that setting I think works so well in a good action film. And this movie's set in Bangladesh, which does suffer from overpopulation. And their town, their cities there look nothing like our cities here. It's a, again, it's a completely different world. And it just, it, that backdrop, that texture just always really works for me. I don't know what that says about me, Stu. Hopefully it's not something bad. I don't know, Bob. I'm I'm not your analyst. I'm not, you know, I'm not your psychotherapist, so you have, I will, you, I, can you at least I admit it's a interesting location from speculating at this time. <laughs> you but you have to admit it's an interesting locale and 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 there's some sort of Well, I you know, it's a I gorgeous, mean, certainly it's a grimy are, movie, but a sort of a gorgeously grimy movie. It's it's you know, definitely points for them picking a location that you rarely see in Western films. And I don't know where they shot it. Did they actually shoot it in in Bangladesh? Yeah. Um, I don't think okay, so. Production I... began. They shot some in Mumbai. Yes, they did. Yes, they shot in a variety of places. Thailand. Uh, they took plate shots in Bangladesh. Banpong. It looks like they shot in a variety of sort of Asian areas. Asian and East Asian locations. And it just, it, it adds something to a film to make it so much more interesting than like something that's shot in New York, which how many times have we seen? I mean, do you want an actual estimate of how many times <laughs> yes, you've seen that? I want the exact number of how many action movies. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. I would say we've probably seen that on ballpark figure. I don't know. I, the, the Okay, but the, at least at least one hundred fifty thousand times. So the point is, give me something in Bangladesh, give me something in Brazil. Even if you know they're shot there, they're not shot there, they're shot somewhere close. Give me something that doesn't look like what I see when I drive into downtown Pittsburgh. And ex- <laughs> extraction definitely does that. Uh, we can briefly lay out this plot if you happen to be listening and haven't watched the movie, and you're debating whether you should watch it or not. Uh, extraction stars Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, as an extractioner extractionist extractor extraction yeah i guess extract an extraction (laughs) specialist who is hired um there's a drug kingpin who's incarcerated and his son has been kidnapped by rival cartel and the drug kingpin's people hire chris hemsworth and his team to go in and extract this the kid and that's basically the plot there. Are, it's there are a couple small. I don't even want to say twists, but there are a couple small story sort of hiccups that they put in to keep things interesting, which I appreciate. I also appreciate that they don't pile on heavy twists or anything. It's fairly straightforward. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there there's not going to be some late game reveal uh, or, you know, motive twist or, you know, or, or villain reveal or, or whatever. For me, the, the most interesting thing is that, you know, I can, I can see why Hemsworth would be attracted to, you know, a role that's this f- practical in its physicality. I mean, cause you know, I mean, even, yeah, obviously he got 
buff as hell uh, to play Thor, but I mean, I mean, th- those movies are all CG. Uh, this is a very down to earth, gritty, hands on, really put in the work training, uh, you know, to to do the stuff that that he and you know probably a lot of his stunt double does. Uh, but in, in terms of the character, I mean, this is you could not find a more complete opposite uh, character for Hemsworth to play uh, contrasted against Thor. I mean, Thor is, you know, charisma and huge smiles and, you know, cocky arrogance. And this guy is just, he's been through the ringer. He's seen some shit. And what's really interesting about that though, is uh, neither the script nor Hemsworth really make much of an effort at all to make you like him or give you a reason to like him beyond the fact that he's just kind of the default hero for what he's doing. But like, especially really early on when he first rescues the kid and is trying to, you know, get him to the actual extraction point uh, and, you know, the fight that ensues, you know, once things start going to hell, I mean, they really kind of present him as, as this unhinged, borderline crazy kind of guy. I mean, the kid is clearly visibly frightened of him and not just because he's, you know, thrown in the middle of car chases and and gunfights and stuff like that. I mean, you know, Hemsworth's character really just kind of, you know, he, he pulls no punches and, and is brutal. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's a very different approach for this kind uh, of action movie, this kind of character where you normally, yeah, they've got rough edges. Yeah. You know, they do whatever it takes to get the job done, but Hey, they're also slightly roguish and charming and fire off some quips and one liners. And there is none of that here, uh, which, yeah. would make, which makes it all the more impressive too, because like the, it never feels stifling or like oppressive that, you know, that it, it is a relatively humorless film. Yeah, it's, it's see, it's interesting because I mean we all like Hemsworth as Thor, but what we found out and what Marvel found out is that Chris Hemsworth is really fucking funny, and I mean he's just been killing it both in comedies he's been in outside of you know the MCU and in you know the later you know certainly Thor Ragnarok and then the Infinity War films they let Thor be funny. And Hemsworth's really good. And it's like, okay, that's who this guy is. He's sort of a amazing looking Adonis with the body, but he's just a really funny dude. But I wasn't sure swinging back the other way was actually going to work. At this point, it's like, okay, Marvel's playing his strengths by letting him be funny. He's taking roles in, you know, the Ghostbusters reboot and all this stuff. Am I going to be able to swing back the other way with him and see him as this sort of stoic, overly serious action guy and the answer was yeah i think he's great in it and it worked just fine well and I, you know it's i always think back you know when people always when people are like oh can you know does hemsworth have the range to do it i always think back to uh his you know very brief but very effective uh part in the 2009 star trek reboot where he plays kirk's dad and he, in just really just a few very short moments of screen time, you know, really, he leaves a mark. He does a great job with that. Um, and it's it's kind of a shame. I mean, I'm, you know, super happy that he, he really found a, a, a great character to dig into and that he was, you know, great at playing with Thor. But I, I really, you know, I, I genuinely hope that he 
gets a chance to to flex some other muscles because I I think that there's a lot of a lot of untapped potential there and you know seeing that he can swing that pendulum you know to very disparate sides here and do it successfully and do it in a way that isn't alienating uh, I think speaks a lot to his capability as an actor. He probably has other literal muscles still to flex too. Yeah, hasn't exhausted them all yet, Stu. <laughs> So Hemsworth, good. Uh, the other thing, I, I'm i now convinced that all action films should just be directed by ex-stuntmen and stunt coordinators. They know what they're doing. They know how to stage these things. Uh, we've, You and I have talked a million times on all of our podcasts and in print about how much we love the John Wick films. Those were put together by stuntmen, Chad Stahelski and David Leach, who one Fast and Furious spinoff, which we will leave unnamed, elsewhere those guys are doing great stuff and now so so this guy comes in uh sam hargrave sam hargrave and i just think he does a fantastic job the action scenes they move they hum they're violent they there's a they're high impact action scenes you really are feeling when people are getting shot and punched and hit by cars which happens on a ridiculous number of occasions and they're just really well put together. You know, that there are early on, they do a couple of those scenes too. They're, they're oneers. They, they do the, even though they're not actually oneers, we know they're being stitched together digitally, but a couple of the scenes are filmed to look like one take. And I saw some people online that I'm friends with saying, Oh, you know, we're sick of the one take action scene. I, you know what? I'm not, as long as they're well put together and interesting to look at, I am, completely down for as many one take action scenes as they want to give me provided I can follow them, follow the action and, and, you know, understand sort of the geography of the situation. And I think you can with those in this film. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I will never get tired of certain tropes. Tropes are only tired when they're not done well. Right. You know, I will watch any, I throw any kind of, you know, Man is on his his one one last job, you know, just like any any you know, whatever cliche thing you can think of. If it's done well, I don't care, and and that's absolutely the case with you know with one take action scenes, even ones like in this movie where they are clearly stitched together with oh, clever edits, CGI. And, but and that's all that a kind of that's thing. a skill in itself for the you know the effects people and the editor and the planning and so right. You know, but yeah. I mean, but but even still, like the, the fact that it is accomplished really well in that it is compelling the whole way through because i mean that's part of that's part of the 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 difficulty with you know big one take action scenes is that you have to actually plan that stuff in a way that makes it interesting and exciting the entire time because otherwise it just it's like okay oh god just get on with it already but like you actually start to kind of especially in like the the big i guess centerpiece you know, s- sequence where it goes, you know, from the car chase to the, to the foot chase, to the, the hand to hand and shootout stuff. I mean, you, it's, it's, it's really well done. Like, I mean, it, 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 it feels seamless, but it never wears you out. And it, you know, it's not, it's not 1917. It's, it's not the whole right. film. They just choose, they chose to use it for, yeah, it's really like a two part sequence probably around the halfway point of the movie, maybe a little earlier. And in that context, I think it's fantastic. And then, they, you know, they change things up for the later action scenes, which are more traditional. Right. So that all worked for me. A couple of things I want to highlight I liked about this film. One, there's a kid in it, and he's not annoying. Always a plus. 
<laughs> All too rare. Anytime I watch a, a film that, that's like not a kid's film, that's like a you know grown-up R-rated action film or something, and there's a kid in one of the leads, I swear to God, whether that kid works or not, you know, whether that kid right. works as part of the film is like half the battle. And in this one, he does. I liked him. Part of what's impressive is that like the kid never gets in the way. You know, he's he's in danger. There's a sense of danger, but it, it's it never feels like the, okay, we got to lean on the crutch of okay, is he in, is he in trouble right now? Okay, no, 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 put him in some more peril. Yeah, the kid's uh, not really holding them back. Like he does he, what he's, he's told. Not. Like, right, Hemsworth tells him what to do, he does it, and they're trying to live. They're trying to survive. exactly. Here's something I thought was neat. The film's primary hero does not end up fighting the film's primary villain at all in this film. So when I see people talking about it being trope-heavy or more of the same, I would point to that. I don't. I don't think he even knows who the villain is. Right? Like they never. They never meet. They never. Talk. Well, he. I. Th- I assume he's in the dossier. Like he knows who's in charge of the syndicate that has the kid. But, but you're right. They. They have no interaction at all. Like so, there's not even like a phone call. Like I know what you're doing. You're not going to get away with this. Right. Or, like, Nothing. Anything. They don't interact at all. And yet. And yet they're both compelling characters. I like the villain, and the villain is eventually dealt with in a film appropriate way that's still satisfying. So I thought that was original. I like that the the movie had the balls to tackle, you know, which is a real problem in some of these places, like youths, really young kids getting roped into gangs and militias. Right. Uh, you know, that's a problem in a lot of places in the, in the world. And they just got right into it in this movie. And they're like, you know, we don't they didn't care really about offending anybody in it. There are 12 year olds with machine guns getting kicked in the stomach by Chris Hemsworth in this movie. Well, and I thought that, like, <laughs> it's almost kind of a horrible thing to say. Like, True, though, isn't it, still? Uh, well, no, well, so it's – I knew that an, that there was an encounter coming where he would be forced to, you know, deal with a group of, of murderous, rabid kids, basically. And, and, and he does a little bit with kids' gloves. You know, everybody else, he's doing that John Wick move where you shoot him in the leg and then you shoot him in the head. Right. He's not doing that with the kids. There's there's a little he, bit of kids gloves, but he's still wailing on them pretty good. Well, he he's definitely not uh he's definitely not pulling he's kind of pulling his punches, but he's also dealing with them in a bit more creative way. He takes them immediately out of commission, but he's also not like ramming them through the windshield or something <laughs> like that. They get off easy compared to a lot of the other they they soldiers do. Um, in the film. And look, look, I don't want to pretend that this film tackles that in any great depth or anything. Let's not, you know, go nuts here. But again, I thought it added a specific kind of texture to the film that you don't get a lot. I I appreciate that it at least tried. I I think that you, I mean, you could probably make an entire film that's just about the contrast between... You know, the kid being rescued and then the kid that gets pushed into, you know, into the criminal life, uh, you know, by the, the, the main bad guy. Because, I mean, it's, it's clear that, that the, you know, that the script and the director wants to kind of hold those two up together, especially given what, you know, I, I can't, what's the kid's name? I can't remember the kid's name. Ovi? Ovi, that's what it is. So when when Ovi has to make a really harsh choice and pull the trigger on someone who's you know coming after him, I really appreciated the the you know just the couple minutes that it took to to 
to let that violence impact him and, and you see the way that it affects him. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a genuinely emotional moment. And I, I appreciate that it, it, you know, at times the film has on its mind, okay, let's try and examine and at least briefly think about the origins of violence, the, the origins of what pushes people to be violent and why, and the cyclical nature of it. And, you know, what, what is it that keeps this going? And it's, and it's contrasted between Ovi and then, you know, the kid that gets literally forced into a life of killing, uh, you know, but it, it, it never, it never has time to take that much root, unfortunately. And I, I mean, I, I would like to see that movie that exists out there somewhere. That that's well, again, about... that's that's a much different, much more serious film. Sure, no, this a, is absolutely. this no, is a absolutely. low budget, well, you know, medium budget Netflix B action movie. I just I right, pre- no. I appreciated that it was at least addressed. Right. Well, and that, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. it, it doesn't. It never tr- necessarily tries to. It doesn't really have the space to get any deeper than that. Uh, but it but it at least has that on its mind, which is more than. What you can say for a lot of films of the sort. I'll tell you something else I liked. And again, this so much would be helped. You know, I if, if people writing screenplays would just be as simple and direct with their plot and their dialogue and their conversations as possible. Something I liked about this movie is that Chris Hemsworth's character has sort of the cliche tragic backstory that all these action guys have. But they don't really dwell on it that much. And then when it gets to the point of where the movie should reveal it, like some movies will drag their feet and spread it over multiple scenes. Instead, you just get to a point like halfway this, through this movie where the kid's like, hey, dude, what's your fucking deal? And instead of blowing him off, Chris Hemsworth's like, here's my deal and just basically lays out the story. And, right. it's, ve- and it's very well done. And I'm glad they didn't drag that any longer than that. It's just you get ha- you get to the halfway point. Hemsworth and the kid get a little bonding scene and all that backstory stuff just comes out in five minutes of exposition and then it's on the more killing. So again, I I appreciated the directness. (laughs) I appreciated the directness and the simplicity of those reveals. That's what else did did anything you want to add about what you liked about it, Stu? That pretty much covers it for me. I gave this movie four stars out of five on my film journal at Letterboxd. I'm, I'm at RB Taylor there. If anybody wants to follow me, I, I really liked it. Honestly, I'd probably prefer it to John Wick Chapter 3, which, you know, I'm not... <laughs> as much as I love the first two John Wick movies, you just do know that I have some issues with 3. Right, right. I, um, this, this one yeah, sort of they're... calls back to the original John Wick. It's not as good as John Wick, but, um, it, but it shares some similarities to it in its simplicity. Uh, there are similarities to its simplicity. This definitely feels like the first action movie to come out in the wake of John Wick the series... That is just like, nah, no, we're just going to, we just kind of want to, we love that action style. We we want to rip that off. It's cool. That's going to be our aesthetic. And, and that's what it is. And, you know, you just kind of have to admire, I don't want to call it shameless because it's, you know, it's not, it's just, you know, you're, you're seeing something that looks cool, that works. It's pulled off. Well, it's not like they're trying too hard and just can't get it right. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the way that, you know, everybody started using shaky cam after, uh, you know, the born supremacy. I was not a fan of shaky. cam. No, I was not either. And so if this is what becomes the new action aesthetic, I am totally here for it. Right. Uh, But there are a couple of things that I actually really liked. I, I really liked that 
uh, it kind of assuages some, you know, if anybody else has some of the same fears that I had, you know, as far as the whole, oh, a white savior comes in and, you know, comes to a foreign country and mows down a bunch of brown people. Uh, they managed to circumvent that actually in a, a, a very well done way, I thought, by uh, just kind of, eh, let's just say that they they bring in a uh, an actor, an, in, an Indian actor, and let him just kick all kinds of ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's great at it, and he looks great doing it. Um, he's 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 probably the most complex character in the entire film. It's a good character, and we talk about the plot not being very twisty, but the little bit of twistiness that it has mostly relates to him, and I dug it. Right, I dug it a lot. Uh, you get the sense that if this were made anywhere outside of like Hollywood, that he probably would just be the hero as it is. Like instead of it being Hemsworth, like it would just be, it would be him. And his scenario uh, is just is the main crux of the whole film. And also um, Hemsworth, Hemsworth's character is named Tyler Rake and Tyler's (laughs) Tyler. Yeah, I know. Rake. That has to be on purpose, right? There's no way that it wasn't. (laughs) But um, uh, Tyler's handler, I believe, is also an Indian actress and she's a cool character. She is. Well, and she gets like she gets some cool action moments, which I mean, you know, you just you don't get. I mean, yeah, we we have some female superheroes coming up, but I mean, outside of like atomic blonde, you just don't really get female ass kickers uh, very often. Um, and you know, I mean, she gets, she gets some great action moments. Hemsworth really starts to feel more as just part of a team instead of just like this lone wolf doing his thing. Uh, and that really kind of helps offset, you know, in, you know, some of the problematic, you know, Elements that would otherwise be problematic. Um, here's, here's my statement on this. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble again. I'm going to get in trouble for this whole episode. I don't hold cheesy B action movies up to the same standard as I would a sort of more serious film. I just don't. So, I, I don't necessarily so that, either. So that complaint, but... I'm probably never going to have that complaint. I don't want to be I don't want to be the oh, everyone's too politically correct guy because you know I'm not that guy still, <laughs> right. but it's just it seems it just seems so unfair to me to hold well I, I mean I, B I action get it. movies up to that but I can still appreciate it that this movie addresses that like again for the, all the reasons you mentioned you can tell they were aware of the issue right and they, were and they, were they able to made an and were able to implement some things in the movie that balanced the scale. I think that it was handled, you know. To still be what it is, uh, but it, again, like, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, well, at least A forever, you know. Right. Um, I think that for the most part, it, it was handled well. It Listen, it can be a tricky line to balance, and I've definitely seen movies fall on the wrong side of it. Let's leave it at that. Do you, Can I get my nitpicks yet, or do you still have more strengths to highlight? Um, uh, David Harbour just kind of showing uh, up out of nowhere. Of course. I love that man. You know, not in the not in the film much, but you know when he's there, he's effective. Uh, Dave, always enjoyable. David Harbor, who should be playing Sully in the Uncharted movie, as opposed to friggin' Wahlberg. <sighs> Alas, don't even don't even. Get <laughs> um, I mean, it, sh- it should be Oscar Isaac and J.K. Simmons. I don't know if I believe Simmons is like an ex badass paramilitary guy. Or... Have you seen pictures of J.K. Simmons? I know, I know he gets ripped, but 
Oh my god, like, I would be terrified of him. I mean, the, the, terrified. the best Sully is still probably Bruce Campbell ten years ago, but then he kind of did the role in Burn Notice already. Well, the, the best Sully would be Mel Gibson, you know. <laughs> talking that he, a, oh, well, now, assuming that he was now, never a terrible, terrible yeah, person. Now but, we're talking uh, problematic, Stu. <laughs> I have a couple nitpicks. I'm getting into Tell me I'm wrong, though. You're Tell not, me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I'd st- you know what? I'd still go see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna get all yeah this episode's a mess anyway we're going off all right, the rails all right my Nit nitpicks pick. my nitpicks so this movie does that tired act this is one trope that i am sick of i'm not sick of the one shots but i am sick of this one it's when the film opens with a scene from the climax and the and the action hero is bloodied and beaten and crawling and looks like he's gonna you know, die and looks like everything's lost and then we flash back to the start of the story. I know, you know, John Wick does it. There's a lot of movies I love that that do it. I've just, I've seen it too many times. I think we need to give it a break. Well, it, it didn't, I'm okay with it when it serves any kind of a thematic or narrative purpose, but it just, there's no reason to do it. Yeah, it's, well, it I, listen, I know why they do it. Because, like, sort of basic accepted wisdom for good screenwriting is that you have to catch people with that first scene. That you're, you know, well, you, the first five you minutes do, but I mean, like, so give us some other kind of, you yeah. know, great introduction to the character. Pull the old James Bond Indiana Jones thing and let's see the very end of his previous. Right. Yeah. Something like that. But uh, it's just, you're showing I, the very, yeah, showing the end. Just, eh, yeah. I'm, I'm just a little tired of it. Uh, I will also say the movie is a little predictable. I mean, his backstory is very easy to guess early on. And, uh, <laughs> the one Goonie from hell, as Hemsworth calls them at one point in the movie, uh, the one the one with the with the fingers and the gun. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we know where that's going, right? I mean, you know where that's going pretty much the whole way through the film. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. It, it's I think I thought it was pretty obvious. And along with the backstory and it's just it's, you know, if this is not a movie that gets ahead of you, it's not knives out by any stretch. <laughs> uh, any nitpicks from your end, Stu? Oh God, I just had one, but I can't remember it. Um, oh, oh, oh wait, I, wait, wait, wait! I know one more thing I want to address though, and we're dropping okay. and we're dropping a spoiler alert here. Spoiler alert is on now. If you haven't seen the movie yet, thanks for listening. Go watch Extraction. Come listen to this after you watch. You're only going to miss about the last five minutes of this here. You and I were both a little soft on that last shot, weren't we? Yes. And again, we're getting into spoiler territory now, but it appears. That Tyler Rake dies at the end of the film. Well, because I don't know how you, how, how do you not die? I mean, he was already shot to shit. Well, they, I mean, I get why they, they also hedge during that scene because they never show the wound. You never really see how bad his neck is blown apart, well, but, but it but seems he, pretty bad. Well, like, no, 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 it, hang on. I mean, like he had already been shot a couple yeah, other times. Right. He was exhausted from, you know, three straight days of just utter hell. Right. Um, And and it makes thematic sense that he would die. Like, that seems to be what would fit with the story this movie's telling. And and, and again, he got shot in the neck and then falls into a dirty (laughs) toilet of a river. How dare you besmirch the great rivers of Bangladesh, dude? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, though, I mean, you... Come on, you you don't 
you don't come back from that. Um, right. So then the last shot of the movie hints, doesn't say for sure, kind of let, lets the viewer decide, but the final shot hints that maybe you do indeed come back from that. And I think I can imagine the sound that both, well, I know the sound I made, and I imagine it's the same sound you made during that shot, and we're both going, eh, <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of like, <sighs> <laughs> So... Like, I mean, so there's going to be, so here's the thing you, you told me online that you thought it was them hedging their bets for a sequel. And now we find out that they're making a sequel, although they could, although they could just as easily make a prequel that would be a standalone. And, and then in fact, the Russos have said that they may make a prequel because they've said it might be fun to bring again, more spoilers. They said it might be fun to bring David Harbour back, which couldn't happen if it was a sequel, but they don't know which way they're going to go. So obviously a sequel is on the table, which which turns a vague last shot into a we have a definitive answer for that you know that last right. shot. So I don't know. I I think it would have been a stronger film without it. But well, it's like okay, look if you're gonna if you're gonna be because I mean let's face it this is this this movie is as much Man on Fire as it is John Wick. Right. Sure. Um. So if you're gonna go Man on Fire, at least have you know, uh, you know, commit. Yeah. yeah, there's Make, yeah. give give, there. give Chris Hemsworth an ass you know, an ass grenade <laughs> and have him go blow some people up. Commit is the correct verb because the, yeah, the, that last shot is all kinds of non-committal. They they yeah. ain't commit they ain't committing to nothing one way or another, and it does seem it seems a little chicken shit. But then again, if they put Extraction Two on Netflix in eighteen months and it's a sequel, I'm still there giddily. So you know. It's a dumb action movie, so I don't want to criticize it too much. I get more pissed when stuff like Star Wars or whatever does stuff like that. I'm not going to complain too much about it in a Netflix, you know, B-action movie. But it was still, well, it leaves the movie on a little bit of a false It's note. still frustrating. All right, Stu, that's all I got about Extraction. Anything you want to add? No, I think I, I think we I think we covered it. I'm sorry, it's been like three months, my friend. It was good to do this again. <laughs> Is I, that how long it's been? Yeah, it, we posted the last one like the last day of January. So yeah, oh, basically Lord. three months. We hope. Hey, if you're listening, thanks. Uh, lots of podcasts are getting listened to these days. I know I'm listening to a lot of podcasts these days. So I hope you take time for ours. I'm glad you took time for ours. Thank you. Hope you're well. Hope everyone who's listening is healthy. Stu and I seem to be making our schedules work a little bit, a little better now. So let's try to not wait three months and do this again soon. Maybe with shadow. Uh, I I'm down for it. If you are. All right. Thanks everybody. Take care. Stay healthy. Catch you next time. The unfranchised is a film podcast produced by the staff of cultspark.com and can be found on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google podcasts, and other podcast providers. If you enjoy our show, please subscribe and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Your support is essential in our ability to highlight smaller films by growing our audience. You can follow our hosts on Twitter at Robert B. Taylor and at StubyDoo. For updates on The Unfranchised, please follow the show on Twitter at The Unfranchised or follow CultSpark on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CultSpark. You can email us at theunfranchised at cultspark.com. Visit cultspark.com for print reviews and essays on films in the horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action, and noir genre.